I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Today, space, the final frontier. With my cohort Sullivan Harris, we delve into J.J. Abrams' 2009 space hit, Star Trek. So Sully, would you consider yourself a Trekkie? I would consider myself a Trekkie for the more recent movies. Mm-hmm. Not, I, I haven't seen most of the older ones. I've seen uh, The Voyage Home, and I've seen the first movie, and I have seen Wrath of Khan, and that is about the extent. I've seen a couple episodes of the original series, um, but I, I wouldn't say I am a, a classic Trekkie. Mm-hmm. I, I, would, I would agree with that. I never watched the original show or any of i still have not seen any of the original movies but i have only Mm -hmm. seen the three newer ones and i guess by that standards i would be yeah the the three i've seen are pretty fantastic and the first one is horrible (laughs) it's probably one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my life do you know anything about the first movie no it's god awful It, it was it was back in the 70s and they were just like we need to show off these awesome special effects we have these days so there's just like 15 minute shots of just the camera spinning around the enterprise is like captain kirk looks off wistfully at it there's like a 20 like literally a 20 minute sequence where they go into a cloud of electricity and it's just like these fractal after effects like effects and it's just 20 minutes of that of them just all on the bridge staring out the window wistfully looking at these incredible special effects and I've heard Wrath of Khan is actually pretty good, though. But that's the thing. The second one, Wrath of Khan, I actually saw it for the first time last year with my dad in theaters. Uh-huh. And the Wrath of Khan is my dad's favorite movie, uh, like his serious favorite movie. I've told you before, his favorite movie, quote unquote, is Paul Blart Mall Cop, <laughs> followed closely by San Andreas. But his like real first, like number one favorite movie is Wrath of Khan. Uh-huh. And I went and saw that with him in theaters last year, and it is so good. Yeah. Like, you... you like you just said, you've heard so much about it, and like I heard so much about it, but I, you know, I was just thinking, how could it be this good? It's yeah. this old movie. I had already seen the first movie, which was god awful. You watch it, blows your mind. Yeah, it's like this crazy, um, like sub submarine. It's almost like submarine warfare. This movie, like I would, I would classify it more as like a war film than I would a classic sci-fi movie. It's really cool. And I know that like a lot of people don't like what's the one Nemesis? Is that it? I've never seen Nemesis. I've heard that one's not really good. But regardless, I never but then in like we the last one the last one came out um of that series when, when was that? Like in the like the 80s or the 90s something like that. That was um I can't what was it called? It was The Undiscovered Country. I think that was the last one and it came out or undiscovered or on something voyage wasn't there a voyage well there's voyage home voyage home. i don't think that's the most recent though that one i have seen and it's incredible a giant space turd comes up to earth <laughs> screaming whale noises oh and they're God. like the only way to solve this is to go back in time and get a whale <laughs> and have it talk to the space turd and that is the plot of that movie it's incredible it's but amazing. i think i think the last one was undiscovered country uh where they meet god so ah. people didn't like that one very much 
All right, I'm gonna look up real quick when that one came out. Yeah, I don't remember. It must have been late '80s, right? The Voyage Home is in '86. The Final is Frontier the is '89, and Undiscovered Country is in 1991. And then Generations in 1994. First oh, Contact yeah. in '96. In um, Insurrection '90 '98. Nemesis in 2002. So there were a lot more than I had forgotten about. <laughs> right. Those were all, those were not main series movies, though. Mm -hmm. Those were spinoffs of the TV shows, I think. Of most the of them. next generation. Well, because Patrick Exce Stewart is. Yeah, except the... for that, there's one where Kirk and Patrick Stewart team up. Mm -hmm. I, we had that on VHS, and I watched it. We were camping a couple times when I was really little, and I don't remember anything about it <laughs> <laughs> at all. It's a pretty forgettable movie. Mm -hmm. So it was a full seven-year gap between when the last Star Trek movie came out mm -hmm. to when the new kind of resurgence of it. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, it it, seemed, it kind of seemed like one of those things where you wouldn't think that that would be, like, kind of revived. And because, like, at that point, you know, every, like, after 2002, everyone was more about superhero movies than they were about, you know, right, space yeah. travel. Well, I think... I was reading up about it a bit before I came, and I believe Paramount had the rights to the movie, and it was one of those deals, uh, same thing that just happened with Van Forstick, where they had to they had to make a movie or mm -hmm. else they were going to lose the rights. Mm -hmm. So, I think beforehand there were they were tossing around different directors and different ideas, but finally they were just like, all right, let's get let's get the the three guys that we think will do this the best and just have them start uh, putting one into production just so we don't lose these rights. And that was Orky and Kurtzman and mm -hmm. Abrams. All right. What a team. Oh, to, like, the, the, team. No, like, I mean, I, at this point I can't picture anyone else helming the Star Trek movie, like to, to, to revive it other than JJ Abrams. Well, that's the thing, right? Because this was, it's the, it's the first series that did this sort of reboot, while it's also a sequel thing mm -hmm. like i think so do you know of any that came before this um reboots that were also sequels yeah not because that's the thing now mm -hmm. or i guess remakes would be a better word instead of reboots because this i think was the first one where it's a a sequel to the main series and the main series of movies while also like completely rebooting it with new ca new cast mm-hmm uh, starting like back in time and then this happened this is like this is the thing that happens now like uh star trek or star wars sorry um the force awakens it's the same thing it's like the same movie as a new hope but with a new cast it's and, a like, re it's a it's it's kind of a it's a reboot mm -hmm. of the series but, but still also a sequel, a sequel. Right? and then like the same thing happened with oh it's on the tip of my tongue now i can't think of it but yeah, that that's like that's all the mm -hmm. rave now is. It, that's that is interesting. I never I hadn't I hadn't really thought about that because I mean obviously we'll get into the story a little bit because mm -hmm. it does kind of the, this one is um it, it is kind of like a, it is a kind of a prequel, a sequel, and a right. re a mm -hmm. remake all at one. It's and revolutionary. You don't is what see it is. yeah you don't see that like ever like honestly like I mean well you didn't before this movie it's true but J.J. Yeah. Abrams did it and everyone saw that and saw how successful and freaking awesome it was mm -hmm. and they did oh Creed was the other one I was oh, gonna yeah. say like mm -hmm. Creed is just Rocky but new cast also a sequel so mm -hmm. we're seeing it more and more 
but jj abrams doing it with this movie was revolutionary it seems also like kind of a daunting task oh at the yeah same time because it's like mm-hmm. how do you take something because like all of those um series that we've mentioned kind of had a point like at the end where it was just like so like the the last few movies of star trek are not really considered mm-hmm. all that amazing before the force awakens we had the prequels and which, you know which you know didn't yep. really turn out as well as they thought and in terms of you know response and rocky five and creed we had rocky five which is which is awful but then granted we had rocky balboa right between which is so good it it is good but like they're all kind of they were in that weird place and to bring Mm -hmm. it back you have to like kind of they are kind of bringing it back from the dead in a way and it's a difficult thing to do but i think that this movie has done it better than any other movie has i mean the response i do love creed creed is really good but I mean that one is less so. It's a I little different, say. yeah. Um, but this movie, he had so much that he had to do. He had to introduce a new generation of people of kids who probably have barely heard of Star Trek to Star Trek, while also uh keeping in mind all the years and years and years of fans that have been accumulating and have been waiting for a revival that is worth watching. Yeah. And the response from these fans that like these diehard fans was overwhelmingly positive, which is very surprising. I mean, not surprising because the movie's awesome. It's just very, I guess, rare that a sequel or a reboot lives up to the expectations of like longtime fans. Yeah. And you don't see, I mean, obviously with people like Star Wars fans in particular, mm-hmm. it, you don't get that big of critical responses that often like especially with something like the last jedi Mm -hmm. you know this has been a rocky road for star wars was very divisive Mm -hmm. and more so than the force awakens and force awakens was pretty like force awakens was i love force i do too but i'm saying like people liked it i'm pretty pretty flatly right i think most people liked it like mm -hmm. if you did like an average it's more they liked it but like force awakens or like the last jedi is very divided like it's like just night and day Mm -hmm. Same with kind of like Solo now. And it's weird because even like when I talk to people that I usually have the exact same opinion on movies with, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, like I have like everybody's opinions are just everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's, it's It almost seems like everybody rolled a dice and then if they got an even number, they hated it. If they got an odd number, they loved it. Yeah. Like that movie is nuts. It is. It is. Um, so this movie was released in um, 2009, um, April 7th. Sorry, May 8th, 2009. I saw this movie in theaters. Oh, I did too. And I remember having so much fun. And I was like, I wasn't ex- I, I wasn't excited for the movie, if, I was, if mm-hmm. I'm being honest, when I first, because like I said, I wasn't a Star Trek guy. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, a diehard Star Wars fan, but like none of that, like nothing of this movie really interests me as a kid. And but when I saw the trailer, but then I went to go see it and there's like the opening and like Chris Pine and like everything. I was just like, oh, wow. And I went to go with my friend at the time and he, I can't remember what part it was. It was I think it was after the the scene where they like parachute down onto oh, the, yeah. the mine. Uh-huh. And he said, hey, like come here and he had to go to the bathroom we went to the bathroom and he goes this movie's really boring what? i'm like right. i'm like i, after I really the, like after it after the drop scene yeah and so and then later on 
my step my stepdad took us and me and him both uh-huh. really liked it and we're talking about it and he goes hey what, what to my friend he's like what do you what'd you think about it and he goes i really didn't like it it was super boring and my stepdad just goes oh okay <laughs> <laughs> well my dad he he is like a diehard trekkie he mm-hmm. has seen every episode of the original series he has seen every movie he you know hates the ones that people typically hate but loves the ones that people typically love and so he was so excited for this movie. I remember him just ranting nonstop about it back in 2009. And I had no idea what he was talking about. Um, I like I wasn't hype at all because I hadn't seen really anything Star Trek up to this point. But he went and saw it before I did. And then he came back and he was like, Sullivan, you have to come see this movie with me. Yeah. And we went and saw it. We were actually on vacation I don't remember where, but we were on vacation. We went and saw it in like a, um, like a two dollar theater. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'll I'll get back to this later when we start like actually going through the movie. But watching this movie with this audience in a two dollar theater, like weeks after it had been released, like it was one of the most. It was the first time the audience had really been into a movie on like on the level that they were for this like people were cheering at parts people were like full-on laughing people like were were yelling at the characters like not in an annoying way like just Mm -hmm. like gasping and being like ah yeah yeah like come on and this was weeks after in a two dollar theater and yeah i definitely remember in the theater that i saw it in like the main thing was that people definitely laughed a lot Mm -hmm. like everyone was kind of together on that and the theater wasn't even that packed i think i saw it in like a sunday afternoon or something like that weekend or something like that and it wasn't that packed but maybe like 20 or so Mm -hmm. people and everyone was just laughing and having a great time this is just a movie that you just get into it and you just find yourself reacting to it because you're in the character's shoes and i don't know if we should get into this now but i think i know the reason for that and i think it's the way that this movie was filmed Uh uh-huh um it's very uh handheld camera like shaky cam uh kind of footage but the way it's filmed and i i watched the movie with this in mind today um the way it's filmed the camera is almost always at eye level with the characters or like maybe behind something like poking around but it you always feel it almost feels first person yeah like you're a person on the bridge like watching these characters interact or you're a person in uh the starfleet academy like just watching some people take the test like yeah it never feels like there's a camera like looking in from an outside perspective it the camera makes you feel like you are in that situation with the characters yeah jj abrams is kind of like at this point like the king of handheld yeah he's very good at it oh he's so good well, had a uh, had a hundred and fifty million dollar budget. I believe this was J.J. Abrams' biggest movie to date, because um, he had just done um, he had done Mission Impossible three mm-hmm. before this, which would this was his, that was his very first. It was his directorial right, de- yeah. directorial debut with Mission Impossible three. So this was his second. movie? This was I believe was his second movie. Yeah, which is That's insane. Crazy. There's no like it's very difficult to think of a couple like other people who kind of like mm-hmm. rose in the like ranks of film that fast. That makes sense though with because all he was a, TV shows. He was and a stuff. writer, yeah. yeah, and you know he was like on Lost. So and, it's not like he was coming out of nowhere. No, and making but like, incredible stuff. It did like it did kind of like just like boom. Right. And, yeah. Um. Also, a little side note. This has what well, this is one of my favorite like posters 
for a movie. And oh, it's the, yeah. It's with the the ship going into mm-hmm. hyperspace. It's great. It's just hyperspace. white and the ship is black. Yeah, yeah, that poster is great. There's a Linkin Park album cover that looks yeah, a lot like this. I know what you're and it about. always confused me. <laughs> I always thought it was like this, the soundtrack to this movie. This isn't Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> this is Linkin Park. <laughs> um, it was, uh, like I said, directed by J.J. Abrams, written by uh, Roberto Orki and Alex Kurtzman. Mm-hmm. Had a so had a budget. Which is the exact same team as Mission Impossible Three, right? I'm not sure if they wrote it, um, but we can check. I love Mission Impossible Three. I haven't seen Mission Impossible Three. I think that it, that is probably the most underrated of the of the series. I have to watch that. I've only seen the new three. That it, well, like I think yeah. for the new movies, those are the three that like that like go together the most. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, it was written by written team. by those two mm-hmm. and J.J. Abrams and directed by Abrams. I'm a I'm a diehard Abrams fan. There oh, is I am no, too. No he bad is... Abrams movie. No, there is not. He is the best. Well, I haven't seen Mission Impossible three, so I can't okay. say that with total confidence. But I can say it with ninety nine percent confidence yeah. that I I am pretty sure Mission Impossible three is a fine movie if it's yeah. the exact same team as Star Trek. It is. It is. Um, and and another like I mean, just a great team of people coming to make this movie you have. Um, Are you gonna jump into the cast? I'll jump into the cast okay, in a second. But like producers for like just the crew itself, you have um, so you have Abrams, you have mm-hmm. Michael Giacchino doing oh, the score. Oh, you triggered me. I, Michael Giacchino's score in this movie is, I would say, my favorite score of all time. Wow. It is. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times I've just put this on and listened to it because. It's just, I, I remember I was reading an interview with him where he, or Michael Giacchino, where he was saying him and J.J. Abrams sat down. They were thinking about what they were going to do for the score. And the producers in the studio were pushing really hard to have them make the score like the Star Trek music. But J.J. Abrams and Michael Giacchino very adamantly believed that they the characters had to earn that. Mm-hmm. Like, they can't just have that theme song. They need to become the Enterprise crew. Yeah. And that's why, like, that main theme doesn't play till the end. And the theme that he wrote for this movie sends it puts goosebumps on my skin sends shivers down my spine every uh-huh. time it comes on michael, it's i mean so I, good. michael uh, giacchino is easily the best he's, i would say the best. i think uh, i i i mean i'm a diehard like Hans zimmer guy but i, I do know i know but like he's good he's, he's great I'm not he's probably he's like not. a close second he's so good and mm-hmm. i someone said i don't remember who that Michael Giacchino makes music that dads would love. And that is like a very accurate statement. Uh, so I guess I'm going to be a dad at some point in my life because his music is my it favorite. It is really great. And also the like the makeup team in this oh, movie is, is incredible because like the, you don't have a lot. Like this was also one of those kind of like resurgence of big makeup movies. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't have because everyone was dabbling in CGI and things like that. We right. didn't have ones that was like, you know, those big practical effects mm-hmm. like the Planet of the Apes movies had, and it looked just so yeah. real. And it won it won the Oscar for it in um, 2010. It didn't even have it didn't have that much comparatively to the next two movies either. But mm-hmm. like what was there was so good. The Romulans, like the work they did on them, was incredible. Oh yeah, Keenster scotty's little guy mm-hmm. like his friend there played by is it deep roy that plays him i think it's deep i think roy. it is yeah he looks great it's just the even the vulcan makeup it just looks it's so simple it's just the ears and the and the hair really but it's just so it's seamless yeah 
and like you believe that that is a real thing that exists which is which is one of my main praises for this movie is that everything just looks and feels like it exists oh yeah nothing it's feels a total fake. like the situations feel like honestly mm-hmm. i mean obviously they're in space but they just feel like oh my god like we're there you know right. Right? like because of the filming that you said and mm-hmm. you it, it is just such an immersive movie and that's another thing with like I mean, it gets a lot of crap for the lens flares, but I think... I like the lens flares. I love I don't the care. lens flares, because that, that's just another thing. Instead of it feeling like there's a cinematic camera filming the situation and the characters don't know the cameras there, it feels like there's a guy like on deck with a little camcorder just like trying to catch everything important, like a little documentarian. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. This feels like a documentary more than it does, like a action-packed documentary, yeah. but... The, Dan, a, Dan Mindel was the dp for this movie then did every abrams movie as well oh and he's, that makes sense yeah except for lots of lens flares. except for except for super eight i believe but he did every every other one and of course um the cast jam-packed with them um, with people that we know now but i mean like at so the time good. especially like people like chris pine and zachary quinto were mm-hmm. kind of this was kind of their big stardom like moment um, it was zachary they, quinto's first movie oh really yeah he had done heroes and stuff before on tv but this was his first movie and it was somebody else's first movie too i can't remember which one of them it was oh it uh chris hemsworth oh right zachary yeah. quinto and chris hemsworth it was both of their first movies so you have yeah chris pine you also mm-hmm. have bruce greenwood, bruce greenwood. Uh, really good He's um awesome. simon pegg mm-hmm. Ant- uh, anton yelchin rest in peace eric oh, banna carl urban uh, Winona Ryder, surprisingly. Winona Ryder playing a 60-year-old woman. I keep forgetting that she's in this movie. Like, I didn't know who she was until I watched it recently. Like yeah. I, I, I just watched Heathers and a couple other things with her in it. But before that, I didn't know who she was. And I was like, why is Winona Ryder in this playing yeah. a 60-year-old woman? In Beetlejuice, too. But I know why. Yeah. Do you know why? No. So originally, um, the movie was supposed to open. It was supposed to cut between scenes of uh james being born and spock being born at the same time but that didn't flow well and i don't think they even filmed ended up filming the scenes but they just liked how winona Ryder played the mom so much so they were she was supposed to play like the younger yeah okay and then they would put her in old age makeup for the later scenes but they just loved her performance so much Mm -hmm. they didn't want to recast an older person once they knew they weren't going to do that that's very interesting because i don't know i don't think that would have I, I think it's good that they took those that stuff oh yeah because the beginning of this you want to just jump into the in a second in okay, a second. okay in but a like second. We, i just think that that would be because you know they have this whole thing that we'll talk about about you know building the relationship between mm-hmm. i think that would be a little too heavy-handed right i and they they do it a bit later where they have like a scene with kid kirk and kid spock yeah um that was enough. Definitely. Yeah, that's that, that's good. That that's the good enough juxtaposition mm-hmm. that we need. Um, it made three hundred and eighty-five point seven million dollars. That's it worldwide. Isn't that cr- I mean, that's still. I mean, okay, in two thousand. Well, for a budget of one fifty, that's not a huge profit. Well, I guess like I mean, if you think about it, kind of in like two thousand nine, this was like kind of like the biggest movie of the year. Yeah, I guess, I, well, I well, guess we also, are in the age of the blockbuster now that yeah. everything is making a billion dollars. So. Did Avatar come out this this same year, or was that the 2009? year after? Yeah, didn't Avatar come out in 2009, or was that the year after? Maybe. Yeah, Avatar came out that same year, so I oh, take that wow. back. So I guess... And that, Avatar that came out around, around the same... I think around the same time, too. So okay, so considering that, it did very well. Yeah. If it's going up against Avatar. 
and it received you know a lot of praise from mm-hmm. obviously the fans and critics alike it was metacritic currently gives it has it's at it's an 82 out of 100 based on 46 reviews 94 percent on rotten tomatoes an 8.1 out of 10 uh average rating based on 339 reviews what do you think necessarily i guess in a, in terms of a general statement what is this what makes this movie like so special well i think the main thing is and it goes back to what I was saying about how J.J. Abrams kind of revolutionized the reboot with this, is that he somehow made a movie that was perfect for people that were coming into it having like 60 years of history with Star Trek, perfect for people coming into it having known nothing about Star Trek, and it's perfect for casual viewers, intense viewers. It's just anyone can come in and watch this movie having any level of prior knowledge and love yeah, it maybe. like you can watch like it will teach you everything you need to know but it also won't treat you like you're stupid yeah it's it's kind of like making a new this is kind of I mean like excuse excuse the terminology but it is kind of making like the next mm-hmm. generation of you know star trek fans while appeasing the old ones and it's it's also just it's a movie that moves like once it starts it it doesn't stop and I've watched this movie, I can't tell you how many times, and I'll sit down at the beginning, and when it's over, I'll be like, oh, it's over already? Because this it's just such an easy movie to watch. It's so entertaining. Yeah, and even if like you're just a like just a sci-fi or action fan, you know, you can just hop right in. So why don't we hop right in? Let's hop so right in. If you if you have not seen Star Trek, definitely check it out and then come back and listen spoilers you've been warned so um, movie starts out uh production credits (laughs) out in the background love that shit i'm getting tears in my eyes just Uh thinking about that theme it's so good yeah um this this movie has one of the best film openings in recent history i think like in recent memory like at least of like the past like at least the past like 10 years or so I would say one of the best cold openings I've ever seen, like ever. Like this is the definition of a cold open. Because you have like, yeah, you got young Chris Hemsworth given a mm-hmm. really great performance, and he's trying to save the the what's the name of this ship? Uh, that is the Kelvin. The Kelvin, right? And they, you know, they come up on a lightning storm and they'll run mm-hmm. this awesome looking romulan ship i always loved it well okay here's something just a quick aside kind of looks like a pine cone but cooler (laughs) i don't know how much this will mean to you or most people but uh i recently found out that a lot of the ships in this movie were designed by a dude named brian hitch who is one of my favorite comic book artists of all time and once i learned that it made so much sense oh wow he did the art for the ultimates for in the marvel he did a lot of fantastic four work uh, in the early 2000s he's so good and like that style of ship like the i know for sure he did the like the squid ship the vulcan squid ship with the red matter on it but i'm pretty sure he did uh that ship too because it's such a him design but those designs you can credit to brian hitch because well thank you brian hitch thank you brian hitch (laughs) um but it's so it's cool to see it like coming out of the black hole and all the spikes and it's Uh just like it's bigger than any ship Right. other ship in the mm-hmm. movie it just like encapsulates it's there's like, that really good shot of the calvin uh it's like in the center of the frame and the the 
Narada is what it's called, is just behind it coming out of that wormhole. And it is just taking up the entire screen while the Calvin is just like so small, so tiny. It's in the lightning behind it. Uh, It does such a good job of setting up scale. Yeah. And uh, so the current captain, um, what's his name? I can't remember. But that actor, I've never seen him in anything else, but I love him in this. He's really good. He has like like a good like he just he's he like kind of emulates stoic. power. Yeah. He's a captain. Like yeah, this dude is, is a, a starship captain. So he gets called aboard and make and he makes the first officer who is um, Kirk. Um, what's his first name? I don't I don't know. I was trying to remember that actually, but I couldn't I couldn't think of it. George. George. That's George it. Kirk. And yeah. so um, he is promoted to captain mm-hmm. as he moves aboard. And he's asking for the star date and just like kind of Mm -hmm. it's very ambiguous, but it's good because you you, I think you don't you're kind of confused at first, but it's good that it's not like we're it doesn't you don't like we're here for Spock. We were sent from where we came from the future. It it puts that uh, later seed in your mind. Yeah, that gets you interested. Like you want to know what this guy's about. Mm -hmm. I also think that it's interesting because that's not the main point of this scene. The main point is to establish the emotional kind of connection between um kirk and his father well that Um, this movie does so much like it it doesn't waste a second no because like this opening scene it sets up everything like everything that's to come and it's i mean that's another thing that like a lot of people say about jj abrams movie like this movie is like a little over two hours something like that maybe actually no it's it's, uh, an hour 59 i think running time of 127 minutes so, no, that can't be true. Maybe that's with credits. Oh, that's oh yeah. The credits are eight minutes on this okay. movie. That's so, a fact. Okay, it's so like eight eight and a half minutes. Oh my god. So yeah, so it's a little under. It's almost two hours, but it feels like it just it just rushes and mm-hmm. it it is so fast paced. Like you it don't you barely have a, you barely have a moment to breathe. Like many of his other movies. Well, this is a point I'll probably come back to a couple times, but this movie feels very Spielberg to me. And that I don't know if you've heard this, but when they were making Raiders of the Lost Ark, like Steven Spielberg's mindset was just, what if we made an action movie where every scene was the most exciting scene in the movie? Mm-hmm. And that's what this movie feels like. Yeah. Like it's very like there isn't a scene that lingers. There isn't a scene that has no purpose. And there isn't a scene that isn't fun, like action packed or at the very least, like intensely heartfelt. Yeah. I love Raiders of the Lost Ark, but um, I think that this movie, I think that one has a bit more breathing time than this movie. That's true. Well, it was also the 70s, and yeah. making every scene the most exciting scene isn't isn't too exciting back then. Kirk's wife, um, Winona. Um, is her name Winona? I don't know. Her name is Winona. And Interesting. Yeah. So she, uh, it, he tries to set the, the ship on... Uh, uh, autopilot because mm-hmm. it's clearly just getting destroyed mm-hmm. but the autopilot doesn't work so he and you see like kind of the fear in his face that he has to stay his behind. acting is so good this is the best performance other than infinity war he, by he, chris hemsworth and he's only in the movie for 10 minutes he portrays so much like just the sadness but also all of his training has led to this moment he realizes that he cannot escape this situation yeah, exactly it's the no-win situation that comes up a lot but he is he is a definite like determined leader mm-hmm. and puts everyone else before himself like he doesn't give it even a moment's notice to be like you have to leave without me and that is an mm-hmm. order and because he cares about his wife and he cares about his son he doesn't again setting up a whole <clears throat> another plot thread that is just like yeah. Kirk's entire arc exactly and so they 
they escape, like he's able to say, uh, they say later that he saved 800 lives. Right. And which I need to throw a ball to Michael Giacchino real quick. Uh, Labor of Love, the track that plays while um, the wife is escaping and he's driving the ship. Oh, it's so great. It's so good. Yeah, it is. It makes me cry just listening to it, not even watching it. Especially when it's like, like, so the their child is born he's like all right we gotta and i love like his inflection like the way he's speaking is very yeah. like it's clear that he's so happy but he's like extremely like because he's a broken die, yeah. yeah and also another big part about this scene is the score really is the main part of this they cut out all the sound effects uh and it's just the score and them talking even though there's shots of the ship being blown to pieces it's just them talking and the music yeah. and it very is effective. so freaking beautiful yeah. And when he and so he ends up the crashing crashing the ship and I remember everyone in the th- the theater went silent mm-hmm. when the um, when the ship crashed and it's just like just the music mm-hmm. and just like subtle undertones. It's such a good opening. And then one of my favorite uh, logos of all time, yeah. the the Star Trek just turning around with the lens flare behind it, the music blasting, so good. Oh yeah, and then hard cut hard cut to young spock mm-hmm. in uh the vulcan science academy um, getting vulcan bullied Vul- vulcan bull the way they i always thought the way that they like learn is in their little cube in their little thing. cube it's like they're not cubes they're, they're like spheres yeah S- spherical like crater kind of looking yeah. things i always thought like that looks kind of cool but i feel like i would just get tired from standing like all day like well, I'm, Vulcans don't care about comfort. I'm, so, uh, well, I'm just that's saying. That's humanly garbage that they don't need. Yeah. So, and it's, uh, so he is, yeah, he's being bullied by just, I always, the, this is like my least favorite line in the movie just because of the way it's said. I just think it's so weird when he says, um, they're like, Spock, he's like, I trust you prepared, prepared to oh, insults yeah. for today. And the, the guy just, <laughs> not, not that, it's when the guy goes, affirmative (laughs) i love those kids though (laughs) yeah the vulcan bullying it's incredible but it's like because they're like uh it's it's like ah you know if if, um like a physical altercation doesn't bother him how about an emotional one (laughs) other way around yeah oh sorry (laughs) oh yeah that but this whole part, it really just bounces back and forth, forth Spock, Kirk, Spock, Kirk, mm-hmm. until they're adults heading off to Starfleet. I love the scene of Kirk, like young Kirk, driving the car with... Don't um, get me started. With, I love Beastie Boys. I think if you put a Beastie Boys song on any soundtrack, it automatically like makes it better by Elevates at least it. like 50%. I, 50%, I would say. I wouldn't... like I. I mean, you could make a, probably a good argument that they overused it when they did it again in Star Trek Beyond. But completely I completely disagree. I think what I'm what I'm saying is because a lot of like you take someone like like certain directors will use the same songs over and mm-hmm. over again. You know, like Martin Scorsese famously has used "Gimme Shelter" like three times. Mm-hmm. But I think it works really, really well here. But I think it works even better in Star Trek Beyond. Really, I do. do you think it's better in I, Beyond? Well, I think phenomenal and beyond oh it's in uh, because i think that that was just because 
I don't know. It just it builds with the scene. Oh, it, man. Like, the energy, I've... like, just continues and continues as the song goes on and as the scene goes on. Here, it's mm-hmm. kind of like you have the... It starts off energy high, and you're still going, and then the song starts playing, and you're still kind of, like, riding that same kind of feeling. Well, and Whereas in that it's... scene, like, I feel like it kind of builds a little bit. And beyond, it's just there <clears throat> to highlight an incredible set piece, which, I mean, and yeah, it, it elevates the music and all that. It's But it's just awesome to watch. I've put in the Blu-ray of that movie and just watched that scene before. Yeah. But in this movie, it's just setting up the attitude of James T. Kirk. Yeah. And it does that so well. I also always thought that the guy who, like, his uncle, is that oh, who yeah. calls him? I always thought that was the voice of Matthew Broderick for some reason. It's not, but fine. I always no, thought Greg it was. Greg Grunberg. J.J. Abrams' Lucky Charm. Ah, okay. It's been in every J.J. Abrams thing. He was in, in Star Trek Beyond, he's in the sabotage scene. Oh, okay. He's the, the like, security guy for the York Yorktown station. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the one that's like, oh, we've got, like, bots coming up. And, like, they send him the frequency and, like, he loads it into the Yorktown stuff. Oh, yeah. okay. He's been in every J.J. Abrams thing. He was the pilot and Lost from, like, the first episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, so that's... That's and I also always thought it was a little weird when so he an awesome shot he drives the car over the cliff the and does, drift yeah and does like an awesome drift and mm-hmm. jump in midair and then the cops like citizen like <laughs> what is your name and then he goes my name is James Tiberius Kirk it's like why did you say your full name like this just I weird. love the, <laughs> the cop's foot slamming down into the ground with yeah. the wow <laughs> that's great but this scene this scene uh, right out the gate does one of my favorite things that this movie does which is not. It doesn't do scenery porn the way a movie like this movie typically would do. All of the, like, futuristic stuff is more in the background and isn't... Like, a normal movie would have, like, the shot of, this is futuristic San Francisco. This is futuristic desert area with all these, like... But in this scene, you have to be looking to notice it in the background you can see like these big futuristic like mining buildings or something off in the distance and that's what this movie does so well is it sets up this world like this future world and it just has that exist instead of saying being like ah future look at san francisco with all these fancy buildings it's just like as they're walking out of starfleet in the background if you look for it you can see that all the buildings are huge futuristic buildings yeah and it's awesome yeah it's just kind of you're just thrown into the world Mm -hmm. you know you don't yeah you don't have that which is again that like documentary kind of style thing like it's not it it's it's almost filmed as if this movie were made in the year star trek takes place yeah like they don't oh futuristic buildings who cares they're just in the background they're always going to be there yeah and also in the scene with the first scene of um, Spock, that's kind of our first indi- indication that he is not like right. He's the an others. outsider. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. obviously he's an outsider, because, but like he's completely different because of his his mom is human and his father is Vulcan. Mm-hmm. So he has, and they talk, and I never realized this because the first time when I just rewatched this movie, this was the first time I watched it when I was actually noticing like the actual story because I mm-hmm. just when I watched it years ago as a kid, like over and over again, I just wanted for the action, right. you know, and I didn't think about the idea of like the character being like, you know, playing on the fact that he has kind of an emotional disadvantage mm-hmm. or well, like, this his, is a, this is a movie that I feel like, I've had to, like, I don't think it was until, like, the 10th or 11th time that I've seen it that I fully, like, felt like I had 100% a grasp on the plot. Yeah. Because it's, it's a dense movie. It is. It is a dense, dense movie. But that scene specifically, it's also interesting that it sets up the way that Kirk eventually 
takes over Spock. Like it's the same thing. They get the emotional response yeah. out of him by pushing him that way. Spock has whole... an incredible arc in this movie. It does. But I love that they they humanize him, but also make him different at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you can see that inner conflict in because he does he doesn't want to be different. He mm-hmm. like he has been surrounded by the fact that he is just inferior and he right. wants to. And I think that's another reason that kind of strives him to be the best in his class because he wants to kind of have that right, superior yeah. feeling. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Kirk is much more about the attitude right. and doesn't really care about, you know, what his family, mm-hmm. you know, and that's another theme that we can talk about later is about legacy. You know, right. there's a lot about family in here. Um, but Kirk graduates from, uh, or he's accepted to join the, the Vulcan science Academy. This is one of my favorite parts of the movie. It's one of my favorite shots. It like starts at his feet from very far away. And then it swings up around Spock until he's like, like the camera is facing him. It's just a very interesting shot, but uh, he declines their offer to join uh, the Vulcan Academy, whatever it is. And it's one of my favorite line deliveries of all time. They're like, no one's, no one's ever like denied access, but he did it because they were like, you have a disadvantage because you're half human. And uh, he's like, Oh, well I'm half human. So your record won't be tarnished. (laughs) And then he, and then he's just looking at the camera and just, in the sassiest way possible, Spock is very sassy in this movie. Just says, "Live long and prosper." Yeah. And then like those like uh like those guitar notes hidden like ding 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 ding. It's so sassy and it I is. love it. It's so good. And then we cut to, uh, we meet Ahura played by Zoe Zaldana mm-hmm. very well. By the way, Zoe Zaldana is really good in this movie. Yes. Um, she's getting drinks at a bar mm-hmm. and uh, we. This is a great character intro to like uh, the James I T. Kirk it. that we mm-hmm. know. You know, he's like, um, she's like, oh. Uh, I'll have like this and three of these and like mm-hmm. oh, a couple of these. I like that there's a they actually because they're in Earth, so they still have Budweiser. Um, <laughs> they still have Slusho, which is another J.J. Abrams staple. Oh really? Kirk is like, I tried the Slusho. I heard that's good, which is like yeah. the company that dude worked for in Cloverfield and all those connected. Oh bits. yeah. And he's like, um, he's like, well, that's a lot of drinks for one little girl. And and then they have that kind of like banter, like you know, tell me your well, name. And it's like, oh, uh, it's a horror. Horror? No way. That was the yeah. name I was gonna make up for you. It's so good. This is a scene. I. This is one of the reasons why I think this movie is very Spielbergian. This entire scene, it's just it's so Spielberg. The way like the characters banter back and forth. There's like that ugly alien sitting in between them for the first half of their conversation. That's just kind of like glancing over at Kirk. Like, is this guy serious? Then the whole uh, the the Starfleet guy show up. Is this guy bothering you? That fight scene. I'm pretty sure. Like, I mean, J.J. Abrams is like. I think he has stated that he's very much influenced by Spielberg. That makes a lot of sense. But like, this scene I, is just that scene. I love. Mm-hmm. That's got like one of my favorite lines where he's like, "Relax, cupcake." It was yeah. a joke. <laughs> and, and the the. Uh, there, there's five of us and one of you, so get a couple more guys and it'll be an even fight. <laughs> and slap him yeah. in the face. And this fight is like, it's really it's great because awesome. because I think that this this does show that his confidence exceeds his ability mm-hmm. because he's so like he's like I can fucking do this. Yeah, like five yeah. guys, who cares? Like who gives a shit? And then he gets his ass handed to and him. And it's such a fun sequence, like the whole bit where he gets pushed back like into Ohara's boobs, and then like she's yeah. like ah and slaps him, and then. Uh, but my favorite, another one of my favorite shots in this movie is, um, it's like you see the back of the fist of the guy beating on him, and he like punches him. The fist comes back up, and the camera punches him. And the fist comes back up, and you hear the whistle. Fist comes down, and uh, Pike is standing there. Oh yeah, like that's such a that's a cool shot, and yeah. I love it. And then 
It's my favorite my favorite line. This is easily my favorite line in the movie. And I had forgotten about it when I rewatched it. But Kirk is on the table and he's laying there and Pike's just like, you're all right. Oh, Kirk yeah. goes, you can whistle really loud. <laughs> yeah. You know that? <laughs> Chris Pine is so good Chris in this. Chris Pine he's was so good. He's so funny. He's so likable. Yeah. And he's so good at that. Just that attitude. I don't want anyone else to play. No. Young Kirk. Than, no, definitely than him. not. He is perfect oh my god he's so great and it's also fun because and this is this is one of the big reasons why it's so accessible to like fans of the series and then people like new people because fans of the series can look at this movie and say no this isn't the kirk i grew up with because it's not because the kirk they grew up with his dad was still alive and like he never grew up to be a rebel like this so fans of the series can enjoy this new timeline and and just enjoy it for what it is because it cannot canonically in this world the stuff that they love still exists like it's literally like in this world it's not gone this is just a new timeline yeah um and you know pike says to him is like you know your your father did this Mm -hmm. your father why don't you enlist and kirk just doesn't give a shit like he just doesn't care it's not that's not what Mm -hmm. he wants and i think that that's a really good like angle to take from him because if it you know because someone could be like you know have him be like all right i'll uh be better than my father you know i can like i I want i aspire to be my Mm -hmm. father he doesn't really he he feels like he's been dealt a a bad hand his dad is gone his stepdad is like not great and he just he feels like he's been dealt a bad hand and he just wants to live his life yeah but what um what is it that persuades him to actually go? Because I mean, I love that shot of when he drives out to where they're actually kind of mm-hmm. like screwing in the, like, like making the enter- like the Enterprise, and it just looks like just so beautiful. Which makes no sense. I, I say I'm not a Trekkie, but mm-hmm. the starships are built in space. Yeah, but still a great shot, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that they did that. Yeah, <laughs> but I I also love the shot of him. He has the the little fig the model of the calvin i don't know if it's the calvin but it's a starship and he like tips it upside down it's a salt shaker he's mm-hmm. looking at it that's a cool i think he, he just i think somewhere deep down inside he like it's that line like did did you ever feel like you're destined for something more than this and yeah like he like that's the line that gets him that he just wants to yeah if you like go on like he has been dealt a bad hand and maybe this isn't necessarily what he wants or is aspiring to do but mm. it is something that's better because there's also the line he's like uh um like your father saved 800 people and he was a captain for 10 minutes like mm. i dare you to do better that's yeah. the line i dare you to do better and he shows up and he's just like four uh, years yeah i'll do it in three mm-hmm. that's really cool yeah and then he hits his head on the on the ship yeah <laughs> and then we get introduced to the oh i fucking love carl urban, carl urban as, so as bones he is so great as mm-hmm. leonard mccoy because he is i don't know why when i saw this movie i i i must not have just been really good at like recognizing like faces because carl urban i guess when i first saw him when he first comes on to the ship you know he's mm-hmm. super crazy and he's got the beard and his hair's like kinda, he looks kind of like just leather gross. jacket yeah. yeah he and i was like oh this is one guy so who is this and then he, like they're talking to him later i'm like oh this is a completely i thought they were i thought they were completely i thought they were two completely yeah, different enough. people um but my god carl urban is i love when he's like it's like oh yeah it's gonna be great we're in like a compact area yeah. in space and it'll be really funny when your eyes are bleeding yeah. out of your skull oh <laughs> uh, he's so good and that's um he was one of the big reasons my dad was so on board with this movie 
was just because the cast does such a good job of like being faithful to these characters and like embodying them while still being this alternate timeline like own versions of themselves yeah. like it's, they're just so good they are and they work so well together the camaraderie mm-hmm. between them is fantastic. all the entire cast mm-hmm. every single there's like eight main cast members and they all have incredible chemistry yeah yeah and so we fast forward to is like it's three years later and they're at um they're the, the space academy and um the space academy sorry starfleet <laughs> i meant starfleet i'm sorry <laughs> i was thinking quickly um space... i can't wait to go to space academy <laughs> dad <laughs> Send me up in a rocket. It's like it's like a a summer camp for eight year olds. Kirk is just there. Space camp. And they fly up in like a cardboard spaceship. Um so um and Kirk says that he's gonna go to he's gonna do the Kobayashi Maru, Mm -hmm. which is the 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 test that spock has created right uh, and he's like he's gonna do it for a, a third time and mm-hmm. bones is like you're crazy you know no one does it three like two, <laughs> yeah. it goes back for seconds let alone thirds and uh-huh. kirk's just like i gotta study yeah you know, bones is like study my ass <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he's so good study my ass. even like this is another one where even like the scenes with like you know just talking or like just another plot mm-hmm. point because like i mean the the kobayashi maru scene is not necessarily a huge um is not the biggest plot point to push the full story forward right but it is still exciting like the way that they like film it and the dialogue just everything mm-hmm. it's just like it, it's rapid fire it's great well so there's that quick scene where he's like making out with the the i think she's andorian the green girl uh-huh. and then uhura shows up and this is something i didn't pick up until like a couple times later viewing it but she's like oh i picked up this signal and uh yeah some like romulans attacked on the side of something space really weird and and uh that's the signal that like later is what kirk goes to her for Uh and like that's what propels the plot forward like i I never even noticed that was a thing but another fun fact there's a deleted scene the reason i don't know if you know this but the reason he was uh with that the green girl was because she was a technician in the kobayashi maru and so he got her to like put in the the hack for him. Oh, but that scene got taken out, which I think uh, honestly is for the best. Like, yeah. Leave it up to the imagination. But mm-hmm. that's that's how he did it. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is a, a good scene. I like I like his kind of cowboy attitude when he's doing the when he's doing the test and he's like, mm-hmm. uh, it's like our, our shields are down. Oh, okay. So what are we just gonna sit here? Okay, great. You yeah. know? <laughs> and then he. He actually he went he he beats the test and mm-hmm. then he gets called before, like the this like committee and Spock's in front like, of wait who is it, uh, Tyler Perry in front of Ty he gets called in front of Tyler Perry oh my god, <laughs> who is the head of Starfleet and um, and they say like he's you know he's he's on academic probation mm-hmm. and um. They and Spock and him kind of have this like little like mini battle where it's like, well, I mean, the test itself is a cheat. I mean, you programmed it to be unwinnable, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like it's not like a test of necessarily winning. It's a test of skill. And uh, it's a great introduction because they're like, this is the first time that they meet. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that they're not going to be um, that they, they are very much like kind of at odds, people, very yeah. different and kind of they're going to be butting heads throughout the movie. And this does a really good job of setting up uh, like. Kirk just wanting to like 
wanting to i don't I don't know if beat his dad is the word but like his dad was in an unwinnable situation and that's why he doesn't believe in unwinnable situations because he doesn't want like he doesn't want to repeat history in that way yeah and uh after that um everyone because of the the distress signal that they got mm-hmm. everyone is deployed to 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 their stations and uh, Kirk is not his right, name. There's is a, a distress signal from Vulcan, right? That everyone has to go the, out to. Um, Kirk is not called. His name is not right. called because mm-hmm. he's on probation, and so, um, which leads to this. Everything from when, like, in their that's like little school court session to when they're finally up on the ship is some of the best filmmaking I've ever I think seen it's in my, my life. Favorite, the way it moves. I think it's my favorite like section of the movie. The way- and from like from the time yeah, from mm-hmm. from that announcement that he's on probation all the way till they get to the deck of the ship talking to Pike mm-hmm. is like the best like ten to fifteen minutes of this movie. I, so great. I don't know if I'd agree with that, but it, it's I, I like phenomenal. it. That's my favorite part. It it's just like I think it transitions so smoothly. Like, mm-hmm. Kirk will be talking to Bones, and then, like, Uhura will walk by them. Now we're on Uhura. Uhura goes over and talks to Spock. She looks over, sees Kirk walking yeah. through, and, like, now we're on them. Which and, is interesting, because she says, like, she got deployed to some other ship, and he's like, oh, uh, the Farragut. The Farragut. And she's like, I was the best, like, uh, in, like, like <laughs> yeah. why don't you do this? And it shows she's very persistent. Uh-huh. She knows her worth, and she knows her abilities. So, no, like, I'm not. I'm assigned to the Enterprise. It appears you, you are. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the Farragut, fun fact, is actually the first ship that Kirk was assigned to in the mainstream uh, plotline for oh, the original series. Interesting. That was his first ship before he got uh, to be the captain of the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And um, Bones injects him with, like, he's going to feel the symptoms <laughs> yeah. of so, so that way they can get him on mm-hmm. medically. And just this whole process of we meet the crew of the Enterprise, mm-hmm. we see Sulu, we see right. um, Chekhov, we see... Oh, we see Pike again, and mm-hmm. then we're back to Bones and uh, Kirk, and they're and his hands are swollen. And this right. scene is often like referred, like um, s- like set a really good example for screenwriting because if you have exposition, mm-hmm. and um, you need to get it out as opposed to just like people walking around and like you know just saying it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Have this scene where it heightens attention because it's like he's trying to get like the the cure and like trying to slow his like like get get him right. back to normal while he's running around being like oh my god there's a lightning storm in space we have to stop the ship yeah. and it's just like mm-hmm. and there's so many lines just in the sequence mm-hmm. that are so good like uh, Bones like hits him with everything he's like stop it and stop like, it <laughs> and like his his hands are big and he just looks at him he's like. Oh, what the hell is this? <laughs> oh, there's just and then when his so tongue good. goes numb, he's like, "Num tongue, not tongue, not tongue." It's so good. It's so. Or like fast. when when Chekhov is like, and there are, there are moments where Anton Yelchin's Russian accent is doesn't do it all for me, but for the most part, I think oh, it's I pretty funny, it. especially when he's like, "Authorization cool, <laughs> weaker, weaker." <laughs> he's like, "Ugh, ain't it?" <laughs> so, oh man, I and, think, and also the guy who plays um, what's the guy, the guy who plays Sulu? I can't remember. John Cho. Yeah, he is great. Like perfect so casting, good. right we'll, there we'll alone. We'll get to him yeah. though, like when he has his big scene um, coming up. So but yeah, so basically, uh, the Kirk recognizes lightning storm in space. Uh, he goes to Ahura and he's just like, "Is lightning storm in space? Like, was that the the Vulcan ship that got attacked?" Mm-hmm. And they put it together that it's whatever attacked his dad. Yeah, and destroyed and it, that ship is what's at Vulcan. But now. they're sending out the dist- yeah they're sending out the distress signal as a trap to get them there so right. that they can get like information from Pike and have him come aboard. Mm-hmm. And um, and they oh, they are like 
going to Vulcan for another reason, but they are trying to lure them into a trap. Right, yeah, yeah. And this is, like, where you have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Like, it is crucial. Because, like, I mean, the scene before, it's like, okay, there's a lightning storm, symptoms, funny, ha, 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 yeah. fun time, and now it's, like, dead on. Like, this happened, this is why it's happened, mm-hmm. this is what's gonna happen, and you have to listen to every word that's coming out of my mouth. It's yeah. a lot like the first Mission Impossible movie. Which I also haven't seen. But also, like, like, like Fallout 2. Mm-hmm. They both are, like, movies that, like, the plot right. is very, very mm-hmm. kind of, and it goes by really fast, so you have to be like, okay, so so that means that, that, that this happened happens and it's like oh so that means like this could like, this could happen so right. like you have to pay attention uh-huh and, and i love uh when they're coming up to the thing and they finally convince pike that something fishy is happening and he's just like all right raise the shields like get ready for evasive maneuvers and they drop out a warp and then just destruction yeah and like that shrill uh mm-hmm. that shrill beat hits in the music and uh they just start going ham like evasive maneuvers and they're trying to maneuver around all these destroyed federation ships which is presumably every ship they have or at least most of them because they they sent everything yeah and i love that line where it's like um Kirk, you come with me. You're not supposed to be here anyway. Yeah, that's good. And so they have, um, and he's promoted to first officer, which um, Spock mm-hmm. is not entirely happy about. No. Nope. Um, and they have Sulu come with them to. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, does anybody have any any fighting experience? He's like, I have fighting experience. <laughs> and uh, so, and it's cool because it's like, yeah, we're gonna see some soul, some Sulu fighting like mm-hmm. stuff. Like that's awesome. And so, um, when they're um attacking all uh, during this while this is happening pike is going across to the vulcan ship mm-hmm. and we meet um nero played by Anna, eric bana i love He's eric bana so, so good great. in this i think he is the best performance in this movie oh really and i i say that because i knew who he was in 2009 and i would say up until like five years ago i didn't realize that was him i because he just transforms yeah. in this movie completely at first i wasn't a, like when i was remembering mm-hmm. the movie i remember like i don't because I, I like i said i wasn't paying too much attention to right. the story mm-hmm. so all i could remember was like oh okay he's just there he's just trying to like you know destroy planets mm-hmm. and he's like he seems like he's just kind of a guy who's like the screaming guy mm-hmm. you know so at first i was like i thought they could have done better but like now watching it there's really good reason he, behind yeah. his character and he owns this character yeah, like he, does. he i i was reading also that he improvised like the weird voice inflections that nero does yeah. and it, it that just like adds like such a weird alien level to him without taking it to a wacky place like I, he's so good i think eric bana is one of the most one of the more underrated actors working today he's so great very good as as the hulk oh yes indeed um in all honesty though like munich that's like one of that's a, talking about spielberg that, uh-huh. that movie is incredible i'm not seeing that. um so Nero climbs aboard, like Nero takes, uh, Pike climbs aboard to Nero's ship and he's trying mm-hmm. to get information about, um, isn't he like saying, oh, what, what is he asking him? Help me out here. Uh, well, first he's, I think he asks about Spock, right? I think so. Like, doesn't. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I, I just watched this this morning and I, I don't remember exactly what happens. And I think it's because the, uh, drill sequence and the uh getting the people out of the vulcan high council sequence are so exciting that it just kind of gets lost but um he wants i think if i remember correctly there's some sort of shield around the earth 
of some sort that's that he what needs it, yeah, to he get. Needs, he needs like codes. access codes yeah. that's what it is okay so or maybe just so he can like get into the airspace yeah. like give mm-hmm. me the codes to exactly. so we can that's, fly yeah here. that's what it is and he tortures um pike mm-hmm. with that little like you know oh uh, yes which is a callback to wrath of khan oh, which those i think it was their first appearance uh Khan uses those on Chekhov and it's very disturbing. Oof. Yeah. And so and, D- and this Dorian is also slug worms or something. I think so. This is also where we learn that Nero says like his wife was killed when the planet was right. destroyed and mm-hmm. um Pike this is where you're like what and Pike's like oh I you know that that hasn't happened yet. He's like yeah, don't yeah, tell Vul- me it Vulcan didn't happen. Is still you're like, there. Yeah. You're like what this is or so Romulus is Rom- still there. And it's like that's it's really odd like i'm not mm-hmm. and at that point you're kind of like there's kind of one of those things where it's like you're confused but it's because uh, like it's not and you're kind of thinking like did i miss something right. but it's, it's like, like you're getting more puzzle pieces like but you still don't know what the puzzle is supposed to be once you put it together yeah, like exactly. you just know that you have all these pieces that look really pretty but you don't know yeah. what they add up to yet meanwhile um olsen sulu and kirk oh, are they have to perform a space jump space jump which is awesome and i think but this is one of my criticisms of the movie this could be considered a nitpick but um there's the scene where they're so they're loading up Mm -hmm. onto the ship and uh, pike's like okay so you have this amount of meters before you hit the ground make sure to deploy your parachutes Mm -hmm. here deploy the charges like all this and olsen's like I have the charges, and he's like, "Are right, you have the charges?" Like, yeah, I can't wait to kick some Romulan ass. <laughs> and the way he kind of looks at him, it's a little like at least when I was watching, I was like, "Okay, it was a little like if I was watching it for the first time, it's mm-hmm. a little obvious that he was probably gonna die or something was gonna happen to him right, to the point where they wouldn't have got the charges on there." I love it though, just because of the way Kirk looks at him after yeah. he says that. <laughs> it's so good. And also when Su- and Kirk's like, "Hey, what kind of training do you have?" And Sue's like fencing yeah and kirk is oh, just, and he man. does gives another the, the one look. Looks, he's like god he's so I'm good at so looks. gonna die like oh, man <laughs> just this blank facial expression mm-hmm. and when they're and the music is ten, like heightening and it's just going and going and then it cuts, cuts out, out and then they just shoot you just down. get like slight like yeah sounds it's so good it's so great and this scene um is another interesting fun fact uh to film this they tried hanging them upside down with like so like that sky was like literally above them that didn't work they tried it on green screen they weren't getting what they wanted what they ended up doing was they had the actors stand on giant mirrors and they put the cameras above them Uh, well because they kept passing out when they were hanging them like actually upside down and they couldn't get the shots so to get those like up close shots of them as like of just their faces as they're falling they stood on mirrors and the camera was above them oh wow that's pretty interesting and they they just shook the camera oh that's crazy it is a I remember when I was it's watching intense. it in the theater, I was like holding my breath because mm-hmm. I don't like that feeling of falling. And so it was just like, oh, mm-hmm. oh my God. And, you know, Olsen is an idiot and he just keeps right. just keeps falling. He's like, yeah, let's go. Mm-hmm. And then he gets and then, <laughs> ah! he, then he dies. And it's a pretty brutal death, too. Yeah, because his parachute gets sucked and into the wings under. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I could break down this entire fight sequence on the drill, but I feel like that'd get pretty boring. It would, but it, it it is would be a incredible. lot. It is really, really great hand to hand combat. Mm-hmm. You see, and Sulu gets his sword. It's, and it's so fun. So- it's just, and it, it moves like. it. It's interesting because, like, a bunch of, like, the main complaint with fight scenes nowadays is how quick, like, how many cuts there are. This doesn't really do that. There's a lot of longer shots, there's a lot of, um, 
like just just sitting on someone like Sulu when he pulls out his sword like there's a long hero shot of him and that is something I want to touch on one of my favorite things about this movie is that every single character earns their spot on the eventual like Enterprise crew like each character has a hero moment Uh like Uhura uh, deciphers the signal um, Chekhov eventually like does that awesome teleporter stunt Sulu with the with the fighting on the thing and then uh, it's just everyone bones like eventually gets like bumped up to chief medical officer like that's everyone a good, that's has a good line he's like oh yeah you're promoted to chief medical yeah. officer tell me something I don't yeah. know <laughs> like they all have like a defining moment yeah so it's not so when you get to the end of the movie it does feel earned that this crew is like the crew yeah and so they're and they're able to um to just destroy the drill mm-hmm. and um by just shooting it with guns exactly and uh and then as they're falling like um Chekhov has to beam them up right. while they're falling <sighs> and it's so like and uh-huh. even like even just rewatching it a while, just a while ago they're literally and you're well, because, so like oh my god yeah. are they going to get it and Kasula falls off Kirk in his first like real big act of selflessness just immediately without thinking just runs over and jumps yeah. off the side and grabs onto him without mm-hmm. a shoe and uh and yeah and then Chekhov does the awesome beam that's oh, so good and it's just and i love that he's like he's like almost there and and then <laughs> yeah like, yo yo <laughs> my yo yeah, it's so good <laughs> i love it i love uh, it and then spock goes down and to you because save his... because you think that they're and um you think that at that point you're like oh my god they won but no because the, mm-hmm. they still have the red matter that went there and he only right. has like just minutes mm-hmm. you think you have another moment to breathe but you have this whole other thing to worry about right. and mm-hmm. so he has to go down he's like literally to... they land on the platform and spock walks up onto it while they're still on there and they're like what you're going down there yeah exactly and so um the red matter goes down he's trying to save the high council including mm-hmm. his father and his mother um and <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing at this, but there's one guy that dies from a pillar that falls on, and it's kind yeah. of funny because he's so behind. Uh-huh. He's just kind of jogging there. He's like, doo, doo, like oh. <laughs> yeah, th- those are brutal though. Yeah. Watching because two of them die just by being crushed. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's bad. hard to watch. But like they're and you think that they're gonna. Well, this is another one where you're anticipating them to like kind of like get out there safely, yeah. and it's like mm-hmm. it's fine. But then his mom, his mother dies, and he's just kind of stood there with his arm right. out, and you're just like, oh. Chekhov and, can't get the lock on her because the the ground crumbles from beneath her and she falls. Yeah, and you see the the planet um, crumble, which is just like, oh my god, like which, is so crazy to think, like to watch. The effects in this movie to this day hold up. Oh yeah, so well. There's still like I remember in the theater walking out like 2009 thinking. How are special effects ever gonna get better than this? Oh, yeah. And to this day, nothing has impressed me more. Oh, really? And it a lot has to do with the way they filmed it. Like one, I don't know the the apes and the new Planet of the Apes movies are pretty yeah pretty great. That's fair. That's a good argument. But I mean, as, Regar- as regardless, as, yeah, yeah, it's I, there's just so many interesting ways that they set up like space and like the intricacies of it like just in that opening there's a there's a shot where like a side panel gets blown off of the calvin and uh a crew member gets sucked out and the camera goes out with them and it goes silent when they get out into space and there's a shot of the the narada like above a planet like dropping it's of vulcan i'm pretty sure it was dropping the drill down and it's the narada is upside down like the planet's up here and then narada's rate is like mm-hmm. down below instead of being up top which is the obvious place to put it and just little things like that like really just make you feel like oh we're in space yeah. like typical rules are not gonna apply oh, here no, absolutely not and 
and this was a moment where this was kind of the halfway point and it's like oh my mm-hmm. god like they lost like, right the, yeah the, the, the this bad is guys like win an hour in at this yeah. point and it's like I looked at, I remember I looked at the clock on my DVD player and I was like, this is an hour. It's felt like 20 minutes, maybe. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, like, are they going to be able to bounce back from I this? I know. It's like, it's and devastating. You just feel for me. And I love, like, it, and I think the line that kind of surfaces it for me is like, uh, Spock's like, you know, I'm now the member of an endangered species. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, yeah, you're his right. Stuff, his like, captain's log, yeah. yeah. So yeah. after that, they. So Nero is now going to go towards Earth, and now they're trying to devise a plan. And mm-hmm. this also has, like, two of my favorite lines. Because I think that um, Abrams is really good at sprinkling in fan surface. He doesn't just, like, yeah. here it is. You know, it's, 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 it's in there. Agree. You know, like, there's the line where he's like, where McCoy's like, damn it, man, I'm a doctor, not yeah. a physicist. You know, that's, like, from and the old classic, show. And it's yeah. like, but that's such a. F- I remember the audience laughing so hard at that mm-hmm. when I saw it. Um,. And so, and and then he's like, "Well, we have to. We we should definitely go after them." And Spock's like, "Get out of the chair." <laughs> yeah, that's that's another thing. Um, I'm gonna bring up another director here, but this movie feels very Brad Bird as well. And yeah. that every single shot, it's like J.J. Abrams was like, "Okay, but what's something else we can add to this to make this more dynamic or more real?" Like every scene, it just seems like J.J. Abrams went in and was like, what's like maybe a different camera angle? Like, how can we move the camera around the set instead of just having it on a character? Like, do something little, like get out of the chair. Like, and it's just it just makes it so much more dynamic. Oh, yeah. And which is what something Brad Bird is famous for. Like, he'll always be like, that shot's great, but we can add in something more. A little bit more. And so this is where it the pieces of the story start to um put get put together where you know we realize that like oh spock is suggesting like oh they're actually from the future mm-hmm. and they're coming back to stop the destruction of their own planet mm-hmm. so so kirk says he wants to go um to earth right yes kirk wants to go to earth and confront them directly okay but Spock wants to rendezvous with um, Starfleet at like a some base on a different planet. But um, Kirk says that that's just going to delay him, and he's like, it, mm-hmm. it, and Spock's like, well, we're powerless. We can't just do this all by ourselves. And that's right. a really good because both arguments they're good arguments. Yes. Like and mm-hmm. um, that again, it just shows that they're fundamentally different people, and it ends mm-hmm. with Kirk just being blasted off the ship. Right. Because he he fights them, he and Spock gets his Vulcan nerve punch in or mm-hmm. nerve pinch in and knocks him out. Yeah. So the planet that Kirk gets beamed down to kind of looks it's it's covered in snow and mm-hmm. ice. It's kind of like Hoth, but even more brutal. Right. And Delta Vega. I Delta Vega. It's called. Yeah. And he gets like attacked by the this weird creature. Like yeah. I don't even know what it is. There's like the gross wolf thing that's running at him, and like he starts running away from that. Then you realize wasn't running at him; it was running away from the giant red thing that comes up and eats that, and then starts chasing Kirk. Oh yeah, that that's a scary because he's like he's mm-hmm. powerless, you know, and it's like just like a and it's so raw, you know, because there's no like big right. bloaty like action thing. Mm-hmm. He's just literally just running for survival. I think this might be the only effect that I think is starting to get a bit dated. This red monster oh, yeah. looks a little bit cheesy. It looks like the Kraken from it's not Dead horrible. Man's Chest. It kind of looks. Uh, like the Cloverfield monster a little bit and the way that its arms are and like the way it moves around. I think another one of my nitpicks with this movie is that like the only thing that like is keeping like it's this big, brutal, like awesome monster and Spock just gets it away with like the flick of like a torch. And it's like, I feel like he would have been like, 
they taking well, a little bit more. I mean, I don't think it has eyes or anything, so oh, maybe. like if it senses heat, it's probably like oh, okay. danger, danger, like get away. Huh. But wouldn't that uh, uh, make him run away from humans because of uh, body heat? <laughs> what? I don't know. Shut up. <laughs> just, just joking. But yeah, Spock. Spock's yeah, Spock. There. And I remember everyone in the in the movie being like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> big gasp. Oh yeah. Uh, the, this is one of the times at the theater, the theater I was in, the two dollar theater. Weeks later cheered the entire mm-hmm. audience just like burst out into yeah. applause and i was and i was curious because like i i mean i even because i knew who it was so i was like oh mm-hmm. but then like you know it does i it doesn't make a whole lot of sense at first but then you realize okay so he was called back and he went into the wormhole as well as the well, rom- yeah now is the moment where like the only moment where it is straight exposition like he literally mm-hmm. vulcan mind melds and just exposits to kirk uh-huh and fills in all the details fill in the details sullivan well so uh romulus was in danger of uh the, their sun exploding and so the vulcans were like hey we have a thing that can help you out it's this new technology called red matter which we can just pop into the sun it'll uh make it a non-problem it sucks it into a little black hole and done you're, you're safe and so spock uh is en route to go do that and the sun explodes destroying romulus killing everyone on it uh except for nero and his crew which are working on this mining vessel i think like deleted scenes showed that he was actually in some sort of like prison camp that they broke out of and stole the narada but it's neither here or there they survive but nero's wife was on there and he is mad so he vows to uh kill spock so he comes up and he's like um i don't i don't remember exactly how this goes down well, he he the, don't the Romulus ship goes into the black hole, and uh, well, they 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 run into each other. Yeah, and, and then he says like you're gonna like you're gonna give me the cool like I think like they threaten him or something like that. But then he's able they they both get pulled into the black black hole, and right. Spock gets beamed into like where it's actually just a few weeks later. Well, to, it's actually years later. I it's mean, like, like to where like when the story picks up. I mean, like it's what, oh, now he right, can yeah. watch. Now he can he Nero, watches the planet be destroyed. Yeah, Nero gets pulled through this black hole first. Uh, which places him on the timeline where Kirk's dad is, and like that whole scene happens, um, and then now he's just sitting there waiting for Spock to appear, who got pulled through the wormhole like a couple seconds later, which yeah. ended up being years, later. years and years and years later. And, and so, so he, they he wait can... at the spot and they attack him, right. and and then they can see. So he can see his plan. Right. He then sees they his plan. They keep him hostage, put him on the on the snow planet because the snow planet has a good view of Vulcan. It is very very dense storytelling. Mm-hmm. But I think this is where the exposition works. Like it's not like like, and I think that when they interwind it with flashbacks, it works because like there are. Visuals I love to that it. flashback sequence. It's so interesting. Like the way uh, the the shots are like affected to look kind of dreamy, and the way leonard nimoy's voice is just like sort of dreamily like coming in and wisps and then like is finally fully there like they play it they'll play it in reverse and then like back up to normal reverse again back up to normal and then play the the like audio clip of him talking like it's fun to watch yeah it's the most fun exposition scene to watch i think yeah it's definitely i mean because you are invested in it Mm -hmm. it's not like if i'm just sitting here telling you something for you know Mm -hmm. a minute and a half you know um so and then they find they find where we meet Scotty, 
played by uh, well spock is like we gotta get you back on that ship so you can go fight nero but like, he has to do it without the ship stopping while the ship right. is moving because mm-hmm. the ship is in warp speed yeah and there's only one man for the job the best man scotty oh, even though scotty. he hasn't done the actual he hasn't created the actual formula mm-hmm. for it yet the formula for teleporting onto a ship going warp speed this was the first simon Pegg movie i saw in theaters i think that that's the same for me uh he's great he's i mean i know best. i know he's, he's so not good. actually scottish but like i don't care i think he's, he's so, so funny. funny he's so he's so likable and <laughs> shut up eat like a bean talking about food real food what is um, the one it's like uh you know, we we tried to do it on that dog, and he's like, I remember that dog. What happened to him? No, I'll yeah, I'll tell he, you when he, it reappears. Yeah, he's like, I, uh, I tried it on Admiral Archer's prize beagle, which is the captain from the TV show uh, Star Trek Enterprise, which is the only Star Trek show I have seen every single episode of. Ah, my family watched that entire thing together. We loved it, and the captain on that show, throughout the entire series, just has a beagle on the ship with him named Porthos. Ah, and it's so cute. Another so some more fan surface. Yes. That is played for humor, which is funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad, when we walked out of theater, he that was like the scene he couldn't stop shutting up. I was like, I can't believe they referenced Porthos. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're able so they're able to beam both Scotty and mm-hmm. Kirk aboard the end. But before they do, Spock tells him that you can't tell him that you met me. Right. That you have mm-hmm. to tap into him emotionally mm-hmm. because he says that you can't like screw up his timeline yeah. or anything. Like, like you, that. you can't just straight up say, listen, I met you from the future and like we have to go to this. You have to take command of the ship without him knowing I exist. Yeah. Which we find emotionally out is, compromising. Which we him. find out is kind of a lie later. But Total we'll, bullshit. We'll, yeah. So he said, so they go up and, uh, another really cool like high intensity scene kirk is fine but scotty is mm-hmm. in the water tubes and you're like this is another one of those scenes where you literally hold your breath because you're like oh my god like you oh, a great bit before this though is when scotty uh is in the teleporter and keenser keeps trying to like come up and hug him or something and scotty <laughs> just keeps pushing him away and then after they beam up it just cuts to a close-up of keenser's face and he's just like yeah <laughs> like a little whimper <laughs> and his eyes dart back and forth yeah oh i love keenser he's cute he's great but yeah the the water tube sequence is is really fun yeah scotty's just like whipping through this water tank and he's gonna get mm-hmm. pulled into this like turbine and he's just like no no and he's just running and like and you're like mm-hmm. oh come on come on don't do it and he just like bam falls <laughs> in, and he's he's like this is scotty all right he's like my head hurts and i'm soaked but i'm fine yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, and then they they make their way through the ship back up to the bridge, which is so the they filmed the engine room that they run through in a Budweiser facility, like the the <laughs> giant tanks that they're running past are all just like giant brewing tanks. Oh wow! And J.J. Abrams did that because he wanted because like in the original series you don't see much of the ship beyond the bridge and like the living quarters and stuff, so he wanted to show that this is like a big industrial machine. Yeah, and it looks so cool. It is cool. That it, is a good fight because then they have the set phasers to stun line mm-hmm. and then they they capture him and he's like come with me cupcake, cupcake. i hate that that's my least favorite <laughs> no part it's of the movie, not it's, it, it is it is dumb because the because it's just like the oh. deli- if the delivery was better i would love it but the this guy's delivery of that line is so well because he's it sounds like he's like he's not really going for because it it's like yeah. he's trying to be cool it's just like cupcake yeah Fuck you. <laughs> Kirk then tries to tap into Spock, and he's like, uh, "Like, how you like your mother was just murdered?" And Spock's trying to actually fight it back, and, he's, mm-hmm. and he actually gets to him. He's like, "You're, you never loved her." And then he actually like starts 
beating the shit out of him, just right. starts wailing on him. I think Kirk is a little surprised when he does this mm-hmm. too, because I, I don't think he was really expecting it. Also, more good lines from Simon Pegg, uh-huh. where he's just like, I, "I don't, I'd rather not choose sides. <laughs> I'd rather not pick sides." <laughs> and Spock like realizes the error of his ways, which is another like again, he chooses the the emotional side in him and it like kind of mm-hmm. just tears him apart right and again simon pegg's like i like this ship yeah, this it's is exciting, exciting. <laughs> oh and another good thing like that's another bit that's just adding little things to the scene it's like um spock is like are you with starfleet and he's like yes do you have a towel <laughs> yes, and when he towel. says that and like later like in the in the next scene he has a towel and he's drying off like mm. someone went and got him a towel yeah. like it's just little things like that really make a movie for me so now kirk is the captain right and there's the big reveal like oh great now we're now we're warping into whatever and we don't have a captain and yeah, uh we do yeah and uh it's just like what and um sula's like uh pike made him uh first in command or whatever it's like you gotta be kidding me thanks for yeah thanks, thanks for, for the su- thanks for the support and then uh that's when and uh, uh Chekhov is saying like well we have to to get like back with we have to like use the gravitational force around one of the jupiter's moons and mm-hmm. this is another line i really like he's like oh really how old are you 17 sir <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he's like great 17, great, 17. yeah great 17, 17. <laughs> um so they have to go so they go after mm-hmm. nero who is at earth mm-hmm. and they S- spock and kirk both have to climb aboard the ship again to get nero or t- they have to fight nero to get pike right and another really really great fight scene with some good i like the mm-hmm. way that the ship is layered with like you know layers of like the, like, the mining ship floors. is cool i mm-hmm. love that it's not like a it's not a battleship it's a, a ship meant for industrial use like the the missiles are probably just for mo- like blowing holes in mountains and like the drill isn't a weapon it's just a drill and so like, oh, I, but, I love the bit where it's like um if my calculations were correct, I should be putting you right into the cargo bay. Not a soul in sight. And then he teleports them on, and they're in the middle of the bridge. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. I like that. I love like all of the cool like the uses of like wire work is actually really mm-hmm. good. They like jumping from panel to panel. Yeah. It's like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, just like a really really all around great fight scene. Um, once this finale kicks in, it's really only like fifteen minutes of action from when they beam yeah. onto the Narada to when they like it's over yeah and you and you kind of think that um like kirk also again like sort of gets his ass handed to him he's like being thrown mm-hmm. around and shit and you're like you don't know he's if, just a dude yeah you don't know if nero's gonna like die or not mm-hmm. which which he does and they're they're able to get pike and get aboard the enterprise but now they have to get out of the uh the black hole that they created right by, like, so well while this well because i didn't talk about this because it leads to one of my favorite scenes so um spock actually commandeers the squid ship with the red matter on it while kirk goes and gets pike right and then um spock's plan is to uh get the red matter as far away from there as possible uh and if not like ram it into the narada and like end it all Mm -hmm. and there's also that moment where kirk is like sulu if if you think that you have the tactical advantage and we're still on that ship you take the shot yeah like showing like his full development into selflessness but so kirk gets pike and uh they're they're trying to get out of there and uh spock has just like turned the squid and is just like ramming full force towards the narada and this is my favorite part of the entire movie josh this is my favorite part of the entire movie spock is zooming towards the narada just gonna run right into it 
and Nero is just like fire everything and they just start shooting off everything and the guy's just like but what if we ignite the red matter is everything's gonna die he's like i don't care i want spock dead yeah so they shoot off every single like missile this thing has at spock and there's that shot of spock and like the squid and the missiles coming at him it's a wide shot they come towards each other and like the music gets all intense and they're just about to clash and then a guy on the ship is just like sir i'm picking up another ship Enterprise flies in and like this total hero shot, phasers blasting, just taking out all oh, the yeah. missiles as the theme plays, and uh, Spock drives it straight up in, and uh, they both, him and Kirk, both get teleported out before it flies in and it is blows really, up. it is really cool. It's I, such yeah. a good moment. And it's my that is my favorite part of the whole. It is movie a really good it's transition. So, whew, it sends shivers down my spine. So the. Nirata gets sucked into the black hole, and now they have to get out. Of, and they're trying really hard with with warp speed, and it's mm-hmm. so cool because like you, we we don't really we haven't really seen that like, and it's just like it stopped. Like, yeah, it's right like there, why like, aren't we moving? Yeah, like like oh, why aren't we at warp? Yeah. We are at warp. And it's just like it's stuck there, and that's when this, uh, uh, Scotty says, "I'm giving her all she's got, mm-hmm. Captain." Which you know, is another. great. Yeah. They, which, another thing they used to when this movie came out, they had um. They had like toys from this movie and McDonald's um, Happy Meals, yes. and I remember the commercials for those were horrible because this was a time period where like the McDonald's commercials like showed the exact same family, like the exact same actors. I remember like the really? dad, the dad was the same. I remember being was in like, a lot of and like, and so they had to do like, and there was a scene where they were doing like a thing where they were on the Enterprise and the mom was like basically doing Scotty and was like, and he's like. All right, you gotta go. And the mom was so unenthusiastic. She was like, "I'm giving it all she's got, Captain." It's like, wow, you know, like it just oh, horrible funny. line delivery. Um, but yeah, the the bridge of the ship is cracking, mm-hmm. and Scotty's like, "Maybe we can do it if we drop the warp drives into the freaking black hole yeah. and blow them up." <laughs> and Kirk's is like, "Sure, just try it. <laughs> yeah. Fine, I'm, I don't care." <laughs> yeah. But it works, and it's so uh-huh. just like so rewarding. It's like oh, and my the God. shot of them blasting out of the huge blue like energy ball of the warp drives yeah. exploding is also very. Good. And then ever like they just sit back in their seats. That's that kind of like a great thing where incredible. the audience kind of does the same thing. We're just like oh, well, because that's what you kept saying. Like there's never really a moment to breathe, and in this moment you finally get the chance yeah. to breathe, and it's with the characters finally getting a chance to breathe, and that's kind of the quote-unquote like the end of this particular mm-hmm. mission and then we uh we see that um kirk is now captain uh pike is rear admirable and spock and spock they mm-hmm. meet up and we find out that what he told kirk earlier was total just bullshit total shit they just they needed he knew that they mm-hmm. just had to meet each other right that was the whole like it is their relationship was pertinent that they had to do it themselves mm-hmm. And they just had to come together. And it was like, that's kind of a teachable. Because in my head, I'm like, well, they could have, he could have said it and it would have kind of ended up the same way. But then it's like, oh, wait, no, that, that's the whole point. Is right. their they relationship. had to learn to work together. Yeah, they exactly. had to build this relationship. And they that had they to change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a great, great moment and a really good, like, kind of lesson mm-hmm. to take away. And. Oh, you know what I love? This is a great line. It's it's a while back now, but when. Um, Spock when Spock is like I'm gonna beam onto the ship and I'm gonna go save Pike and Kirk is like I'm going with you and Spock is just like at sight regulation but I know you would just ignore it yeah and then Kirk is just like you're right we are finally getting to know each other or something (laughs) like that and he like smacks his shoulder yeah I like this scene actually a little bit after that when we find out what um Uhura's first name is oh yeah when they're they make out and like Kirk is just like and uh what what does he say oh she's like I'll be tracking your frequencies Nyata. on the con- and uh, and he's just like thank you Nyota and Kirk is just like, like 
So her name's Nyata. Let it go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, he says I have no comment on the matter. Oh, I thought I thought he said uh, I thought he said let it go because I think he said I have no comment on the matter for something else. Maybe you're right. It isn't really. Uh, Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's just funny. Is the point. And so, and then it ends with again some more fan surface, but done in the most epic way. You hear Mm -hmm. Leonard Nimoy's voiceover after Kirk says "buckle up," and Mm -hmm. they're about to go into warp speed, and. You hear space, the final frontier, where no man has gone before. And it's just every Mm -hmm. word. It's just like, oh, and then it warps in with Mm -hmm. the music building and this And then the original theme comes in. Original theme. But like the most epic version of the original theme you've ever heard in your life. Um, Yeah. It is. And like you said, it's a little under two hours, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel that way. It's so great. Two more scenes I just want to touch on real quick Mm -hmm. because I love them so much um, is scotty when they they beam back he's like i've never beamed in three targets from two locations onto one pad before <laughs> and they just completely ignore him and like the last part of that shot is him just going that was pretty good because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's listening to him and then um i can't remember i also one. like i like in the beginning when they're about to go into warp speed in the beginning with pike and then it kind of just drowns out and that's when we meet sulu for the first time it oh, doesn't yeah. work and he's like mm-hmm. Let's, and i like when he's like you are a pilot it. right like, punch it's like you are a pilot right and it's just yeah. kind of like sitting there and i like that 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 kind of plays with your anticipation because you mm-hmm. think it's going to happen but then it's like oh the ship, that's the thing they the have ship to is, earn their place and it's also like this ship is brand new it's going to have like some malfunctions right, you know yeah. mm-hmm. which is really cool so so what that's the movie so in analysis i don't think a lot of people would look at something like this like this like star trek and be like oh i don't think there's it's like a popcorn movie but like like mm-hmm. I said, like there is a very dense story here but i think if you wanted to take something away like just basically on themes we have the theme of like earning your place mm-hmm. but also legacy because both kirk and um spock are coming off of their like they have to live in the shadow of their their families right and i think that they they're both trying to shoo away like one is going like at least in the beginning um spock is trying to i think trying to like shut out his emotional state of being a human where kirk is trying to get away more from uh being a family like he's trying to do not what's expected of him where spock kind of is Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean and um i think that that is and then by the end spock is has fully just accepted like kind of his heritage and Kirk has accepted his destiny at the same time. So you see this arc between like kind of um, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Like apprehension to to acceptance. Right. Because Kirk doesn't want he feels like he can't live up to what his father did. Uh-huh. Um, and by the end, he realizes that he can't let that hinder him. And he has to like go for the things that he wasn't going for. Yeah. Because like he's good at it and he could save lives just like his dad and kind of like what's expected of you like mm-hmm. that's another big thing that you see well i think i would say legacy is the biggest theme of this movie because it's not only a theme within the movie it's like a meta theme within the creation of the movie like the movie is almost a commentary on this movie getting made in and of itself because like it, imagine kirk's dad is the original series and new kirk is this new movie yeah and like they like we have to overcome this obstacle of like uh living up to what people expect but also being our own yeah. thing and uh an interesting quote from gene roddenberry the creator of star trek 
someone asked him once, uh, what do you want the future of Star Trek to be? And he responded, uh, I hope one day a new young thing comes along and does it bigger and better. And it did. It did. I think, and uh, which then begs the question, I think the main takeaway from this movie, and I guess maybe in my mind uh, that I was thinking about, is is a question, and that is, it do, is does what came before matter in the over, overall picture? Because I think that this movie, like from the characters' perspective, they do their own thing. Right. And they do become their own, like mm-hmm. their own people, and go down their own path. And you know, Spock accepts the human side of him, and they're they're not they're kind of out of the shadow mm-hmm. at the end of the movie. And I think in the overall scheme of like this movie. I think that this was trying to definitely be, it is its own thing. Right. And it is kind of new. And I think that's kind of the overall takeaway of, you know, the path that we choose and like, we can go down our own way and still be great. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to live up to the expectation of what came before. Right. It's a, it's a movie that's about itself. And I like that. It's awesome. It is. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? I don't think so. Just this movie is one of my absolute favorites. Mm-hmm. Like if you, couldn't tell by uh, yeah. how long this episode is. Well, what's your rating? Well, we got to rate the movie. What's your what's your grade and why? So when I was I watched this movie twice to prep for this, and both times I really tried to um, come up with a reason to give it gold and not platinum. Yeah. Because I didn't want to come out of the gate swinging on my first episode on and give the first movie I did platinum, especially if it was just like a stupid sci-fi movie. But I thought about it for hours and hours and hours, like literally, and I could not come up with the reason to not give this movie a platinum. And like, I don't even know why I tried. The, yeah, I would. I because my memory of this movie was that it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. and that it revamped the Star Trek movie but I liked Into Darkness better and I still have yet I have to rewatch Into Darkness to have to compare them because but I wasn't I in my mind but before I watched it I was like okay I wasn't a huge fan of the villain and I I did but I didn't pay attention to the story mm-hmm. and then when I rewatched it I saw that there was just so much more and I think this is one of the one of those movies that just gets better with age right well because and, I think the reason I have to give this platinum is because any person of any age any background again like having any knowledge of star trek be it none be it knowing every single alien race every name of every character you can watch this movie and love it yeah no matter where you're coming from like young old if you just want to watch a crazy awesome action movie you're good if you want to like delve deep into the lore and the story there's a lot of that there for you just from purely a filmmaking perspective and we've talked about the camera work and just how energizing made yeah energizing it is and i love Still to this day, love J.J. Abrams and the cast. Mm. It was one of the most perfect casted movies. There's not a single like really flaw oh, in casting in this movie. I could probably do a whole episode just talking about all the performances mm-hmm. in this movie. It's um, really I have if I have uh, the flaws that I have are nitpicky ones, and right. I too mm-hmm. am going to give it a platinum because of how like I when rewatching it, it opened my eyes to a lot more. That makes things me of, feel really good on the inside, mm-hmm. Josh. Makes me feel really good that you gave this a platinum. <laughs> um, so that is going to do it for this episode of Frankly, I Love Movies. Thanks for coming in, Sully. Oh, thanks for having me. I've been waiting for this moment my entire life. No problem. Just a reminder, we are on Facebook and Twitter. Leave a rating, leave a, co- uh, leave a comment. You can go to orionvalleyproductions.com. You can check out other podcasts and short films that we've made and give us feedback. Well, we definitely, we greatly appreciate it. 
Uh, and tune in in two weeks for a new episode with a new guest uh, talking about a new movie. Till then, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Thank you.